like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. One of the means by which I continue to expand the circle of fine musicians that get featured on Song of the Soul is my familiarity with record labels whose artists are likely to be up my line. And among the best, for my tastes, is Red House Records of the Twin Cities, Minnesota. It's a real Americana roots music institution. That's how I got connected up with today's guest, David Huckfeldt. David is co-founder of The Pines, making fine Midwest roots music full of evocative poetry and images and great instruments delighting the ears. David Huckfeldt joins me by phone from the Twin Cities. David, I'm delighted to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thank you much, Mark. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. I just learned about The Pines recently, in fact, because you're coming to my area I live in Eau Claire, but you're going to be visiting Chippewa Falls on February 22nd, and I just knew I had to get a hold of you after listening to a spot of your music. How long have you and Benson been together as the Pines? Pines have been sort of a living, breathing entity since about 2003, 2004 is when we... uh, Moved up from Tucson, Arizona, to Minneapolis. That's when we wrote our first record, recorded our first record. So was it global warming that drove you north? I would say it was just snowmobiling. We love snowmobiling. No, that's not true. We we were from the Midwest, and um, we kind of longed to be back in a place where you could mark time with the seasons, where there was some water around, some grass, and things that you kind of don't notice them. You'll notice they're not there in the desert unless you uh, grew up in Iowa like we did. So we came back to the Midwest to get our start in a very familiar place. And where in Iowa are you from? Because my wife's from the Amana Colonies. Well, that's closer to where Benson comes from. He is from down in southeast Iowa, and I'm from northwest Iowa, former country up in the corner of the state. You and he, you and Benson, who are the nucleus there for the Pines, you've been an item playing together, making music before 2003, or 2003 is when that gelled? Started to gel just a little bit before that, but that was the beginning of having something to call it and also having a, a wanting a body of material that was our own. Somebody would say it's the beginning of a professional pursuit, but, you know, for us it was just that we we knew we had places we could go together, so we were anxious to get started. Most of what I've seen is original stuff by the two of you. Is that how it started out at the beginning, your first CD, your first performances? Have you both been writing music for quite a while? As far as the pines go, we didn't really offer up our original compositions until a little bit later. What 
really started us was sort of the grunt work of playing shows down in Tucson in bars and blues clubs, and we played a lot of early American folk and blues music, interpretations of Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, Little Walter, Sonny Boy Williamson, and we'd also mix in, you know, songs from, from some of our favorite songwriters, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, Morphine. So really it was started out just getting our chops by playing out our influences and trying to take them someplace that we could go, you know, the two of us. Well, you've got a lot of good examples for today's Song of the Soul of music that you do produce. How about getting us started? Yeah, first song is by far the longest song we've ever put on a record. It's titled Be There and Bells. The song originated with Benson who put the whole vision of it together. It's really up for interpretation, but it does have, um, I don't know, I think you just play it and let people think what they want, but I like where it takes your mind. So we'll start off today's Song of the Soul with David Huckfeld. He's a member of the Pines, and the song we're going to share is Be There in Bells. Shield to shield, I close my eyes, so 
by the Pines. We have David Huckfeld, who's one of the leaders of the group, here with us today for Song of the Soul. And Be There in Bells is from the latest CD that the Pines have produced. It's called Dark So Gold. So why Dark So Gold and why Be There in Bells? And why is this part of your Song of the Soul? What made you choose it for this setting? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel that the place where Benson and I come together as songwriters is a place that is never far from addressing the spiritual reality. So even songs that aren't explicitly coming out and talking about these kind of things, it's in there. And Be There in Bells is a song where it's all in there at some place or another. The journey, the path, you know, what's in your control, what's out of it. I don't know, Dark So Gold... Like, we don't 
set out to make a certain kind of record. It's a long process by which these songs grow up from each of us and then get put through sort of a refinement process together. And then again with the band. So if you listen to the record, up uh, to the Pines record, I think the hope would be that you would, would feel like you know where the songwriter's taking you. It's coming from their own experience with something intuitive. Dark So Gold, I think, has some songs like that on that. One of the lines in that song that intrigued me was, the great spirit rose over old St. Paul, you are forever forgiven and all. What was that about? I mean, I, I have some inklings of what it means from my experience, having grown up Catholic. What does it mean from your experience? Vincent wrote the lyrics of this song. So what what it means to him and what it means to me could be very different. But to me, I just, I know for a fact that our... Um, a relationship involves a healthy amount of kind of spiritual exploration, and there can be skepticism when it comes to the things you've been taught as a child. And so, for us, the Great Spirit—I mean, for me, I, American Indian spirituality has always been a huge part of my worldview, and I think for Benson too. I just think that being forgiven and all, people need to let themselves and each other off at the hook about a thousand times a day. You know, we're hung up on a lot of things, so I think that's the message there. Were you raised religiously, spiritually, uh, maybe Native American for all I know? No, no, sir, I wasn't raised that way. I was just say I was a very, very curious, philosophical youngster, and so I, I sort of explored those avenues and things myself. They weren't really, uh, not from my family, they weren't really propagated as such, but yeah, it's been a definite pursuit of my adult life. Is there someone's music that you particularly were emulating or growing up with that was grabbed you on that spiritual level? Is there a person or two that you could name that that was the spirituality that was echoing inside me? I'm not sure. I mean, it comes from, you know, it comes from so many angles. Even the concise and direct poetry of the blues in American folk music, like the idea of, of God in those songs is very mystical. I mean, they're, it's sometimes it's taken for granted, but to different ends and effects. It's not organized, you know, in a religious way, but it's expressed in a visceral kind of way. So I think the blues music and the gospel music that came out of the South in early American times had a big effect, and then... I mean, songwriters, you know, of a more poetic and sophisticated vein, like I, I feel that I've always kind of identified with the uh, angles that Leonard Cohen explores in his music just because it's it's somewhat cerebral. It's somewhat, you can see this guy as a seeker and a writer first when it comes to the music in a secondary kind of way, but there's something very unique that's being offered because it's genuine. So those are some influences for sure. Well, let's see some more samples of the music that speaks for your soul. Number two for your song of the soul would be? Uh, this song is called Pray Tell. This is from the record Tremolo, which is our second record for uh, Red House. Yeah, I don't know what you can say about this song. It's kind of a, it's a little bit of hillbilly-ish kind of rant, a rumble through the dark skies or something, but um, it's definitely from the gut. So, yeah, take a listen again.
tips his feet around my bedside him. It breaks the locks on all my dreams. Who hung the moon with his twisted beam? Who pulled the stars down over my eyes? I lost my way, now I'm in disguise. And I asked for truth, all I got was lies. Music from the Pines. We have David Huckfelt with us, one of the leaders of the band. That song, Pray Tell. The reaction I had, by the way, when I started listening to that one, particularly at the start, 
I saw echoes of Greg Brown in there. Is Greg Brown one of the people you grew up with since he's from Iowa too? Yeah, Greg's music is it's always been it's been there, sort of kind of a guiding light in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to you know what's taken for granted as an artist and what things can be explored in a song. I feel like Greg's been a huge influence on me and a personal friend, and I don't know, I think it's rare to find songwriters without a lot of pretense, and uh, definitely, definitely Greg's influence is part of the mix. I'm curious about that little trip you had. You're, you're living down south in the southwest. What took you down that way? Was Did you try and get away from the winters and then find out you missed them? No, we had nothing to do with, like, you know, with, uh, with weather. It had more to do with a certain kind of unknown locale. Tucson, if you're from the Midwest, is just about as different as you can possibly get and be in the States, really. I mean, everything about it is stark and intense and foreign and beautiful geographically. So, really, I mean, whatever drives people away from their home when they're young, it could be anything, but I think the similar thing drove me and and Benson because we didn't meet before we met in Tucson. So I think it was it had something to do with music, but not in no defined concrete terms. It was really just looking for a place with no resemblance and no prehistory. In the music of the Pines that I've heard so far, I haven't heard the echoes of the Southwest. Was there something in there that became part of your vocabulary? I mean, there's the Native American influence that's around there. I've been to Tucson just once for a few days. There is some Native American influence that feels closer there than it does up here, even though we have plenty of Native tribes up here. Well, you know, what we took from the desert is a little bit more subconscious than that. I mean, a band like Calexico comes out of Tucson, Arizona, and they're rooted in that in that community, in that geography, and that's expressed in their music. We were outsiders. You know, we were coming from the Midwest. But what we noticed was, that, you know, how these younger groups were being innovative along the lines of, I mean, sonically and song-wise and record-wise by using the regional music, you know, mariachi, cajonto music, Tex-Mex. And so, honestly, what it kind of did for us was say, well, let's go back to the Midwest. You know, let's use our influences. Let's use the folk musicians from Iowa, songwriters from Iowa, you know, blues players from down there in the upper Midwest, like Spider John Kerner and the folk music in Minneapolis where we resettled. Let's do that and live our own path. That was kind of the impetus, but we learned about how to do that from seeing what was going on in Tucson. Well, all the music I've heard so far, as I said, it's good music. Why don't you give us another example? The third song is called Light Under the Door, and it's one of the earlier Pine songs. It's one that Benson wrote. This song has a very powerful effect on our crowds. I mean, it's one of those songs that people find their, their own way into based on their life experiences, and I think it speaks for itself. So, yeah, it's Light Under the Door from uh, Sparrows and the Bell. Glowing. 
David Huckfeld is my guest today for Song of the Soul. The song was Light Under the Door. It's by his group, The Pines, and that's from their CD, Sparrows in the Bell. Obviously, a wonderful song with, I think, echoes of Nashville skyline. You haven't mentioned Dylan, I think, as one of your influences, but clearly he seeps in, at least for you or maybe for Benson specifically. This one, I thought, captured that spirit very well. I mean, and and maybe it's a, a spirit that's common to the Midwest, Dylan being from Minnesota and you from Iowa. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, 
the thing about Dylan and other artists of that caliber is they're the first to tell you that they themselves are the sum uh, are, are the sum of expanding upon their own influences. And you hear somebody, and you know you trace things back. So for us, it's it's also songwriters that no one's ever heard of, like Dave Moore in Iowa City and Joe Price uh, up in Northeast Iowa. There's no doubt about it. If you're going to express in your music as much lyrically as you do sonically, then people are going to talk about Bob Dylan and things. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I just think that um, definitely that song is Midwestern. Light into the door puts you in a place. We're at the point now where we people ask us what kind of music we play. We say Midwestern. Not that it entails anything so specific, but. Our songs, I think, is it's rooted in place. So it's good. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. When you say that Native American spirituality has been a major effect for you, I've been listening to these last few songs, trying to say, okay, where's the Native American spirituality? What does that actually mean to you? First of all, I mean, I tread very lightly when thinking and talking about it because I... I feel like there's a voyeuristic element of the way that we treat not only Native American spirituality, but culture in general. I mean, I've had the pleasure and good fortune of meeting and hearing John Trudell, who used to be the chairman of the American Indian Movement, incredibly powerful and innovative speaker about spiritual reality. And so I think that, you know, in the first place, American Indian spirituality is is a hidden reminder that in our time, in our country, you know, the things that have been done in the name of Christianity are, you know, a suspect. Like, there's, a, there's cause for alarm to see some of the ways that people with good intentions have been carried through. That's how I feel about it. And I also feel that there's something in American Indian worldviews that is like an antidote for our biggest problems that we face, whether especially as it pertains to climate change and the way we treat the planet. You know, so I think that, in my mind, it makes sense to me that early America had to do something to stamp out these American Indian beliefs, because in order to conquer a people and conquer a land, you have to be, you have to reconcile that your worldview is different, and there was something to subdue, you know. So I think, and I'm, you know, come into our songs, I feel like there's an interconnectedness, there's a gentleness. And there's a message that wherever we're going, we're going to the same place we came from. And it's all the same for everyone, no matter how it's argued about. And it has to do with what you see when you look out your window if you're not in the city. And sometimes you can see it in the city, too, but it has to do with nature, I think. Connection to a sense of place. That's what Wendell Berry called it. And I I think that's a especially precious thing. It's, I think, typically Midwestern. Uh, maybe other people have it just as well. But this connection to the land, Iowa is not the same as Minnesota. But when you mention connection to water, I mean, how ubiquitous can you be in in Minnesota and Wisconsin? Right. Uh, everywhere you look, there's a pile of water that is skatable, swimmable, whatever. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, Lake Superior, it's been a... It's been a big part of my life since we moved up here. And when before we came to Minneapolis, neither Benson or myself had ever visited up here. I believe that yeah, there's a responsibility. We have a responsibility to care for 
the places that we live and the people that we live with. And so if there's something Midwestern about that, then that's a, it's a good quality. Yep, it's a good quality, and I'm glad to know you as another Midwesterner. How about giving us another song? Yeah, this one, this one kind of ties right in with what we're talking about. It's called Rise Up and Be Lonely from Dark So Gold. It, it's got some of the um, American Indian um, reference in it, but mostly it's just about a personal path, personal path of the year It's solitary path, I guess. So Dark So Gold, uh, Rise Up and Be Lonely. Yeah. 
Rise Up and Be Lonely, performed by The Pines. And we've got one of their lead performers, singers, writers with us here today, David Huckfeld. Another excellent song, I just got to say, David, and I, I believe you're the one who wrote that one. So when you say in there, Rise Up and Be Lonely, that individual path, where is community in your sense of belongingness. I think one of the great sicknesses of our modern society is our connection to technology over people. So what's your antidote to loneliness? Yeah, it's almost like there's two different things. I mean, I I think that part of the, the meaning, the message, if there is one implicit behind, rather than be lonely, is that, you know, we're on a solitary path in the sense that there's there's a certain bravery in confronting the fact that you are independent and that you're responsible for yourself and you can make choices that affect how, you know, it's in, it's in how negativity in our climate, in our culture. You know, I think rather than being lonely, talks about those things and says, you know, look, it's, it's being okay with yourself, you know, not having to med- self-medicate or... Uh, not using technology as a crutch or not yeah, using your status or your money, you know, as your identity. That really you're, you're alone in the natural world as a person who can be responsible. And so I feel like community, I mean, whether it's in protest, whether it's in unison with, you know, there's some big, big challenges we face in America right now. And I feel like taking responsibility for ourselves and knowing that we have the ability to change things is kind of a first step. The label you're with is Red House Records, which is right out of there in Twin Cities. The music you've been sharing doesn't sound like activist. It's not, you know, hell no, we won't go, or let's go clean up the rain. It, it isn't overt like that. Is there some sense that you have that your music, just by the way you do it, is going to change the world, or is that's what you maybe hope comes out of it. Maybe it's just a cry of your soul. Well, I mean, it's with kind of fear and trembling. You have, like, we hold up that hope. I mean, we we know what happens when we go to communities and perform, and when we go back, and when we go back throughout the years, and I mean, some kind of, something strong develops of its own character and its own nature, and it it happens. You know, records can do it. Records seem to be more and more for an individual and performance is for a group, you know. So I feel like the thing about folk music is that a lot of times it's misunderstood. The the medium is the message, you know. And just because you're saying something important doesn't mean you don't have to say it really well, because you do. I think some of the most powerful protests, the radical music, is more implicit than explicit. I just feel like we're just, I mean, honestly, just trying to do the best we can to live in a good way and to make connection between people. It's great to see it when it happens at a Pine Show. We love to be a part of it. If you go to thepinesmusic.com, you'll be able to find where you can listen to The Pines. Their schedule is up there. One of them that you'll see on there is that on Friday, February 22nd at 7.30, they're going to be at the Heidi Center for the Arts in Chippewa Falls, which is only, say, 15 miles from where I sit. That's just one of many possibilities. Go to thepinesmusic.com or just follow the link from northernspiritradio.org, and you'll find out where they're making music. 
I noticed a lot of the times, you know, you're the band, the Pines being highlighted. I also saw on your schedule, for instance, you're going to be in Minneapolis sharing the stage with Trampled by Turtles or another occasion with Joe Pug. Is there any rhyme or reason to who you get combined with on stage? You know, there's a little. I mean, there's an effort to be. I think that we uh, we have a lot of friends that we care about, you know, and people we like to support, and that's part of the thing. Trampled by Turtles, uh, those are some great human beings who are friends of ours here in Minneapolis and you know for other things that we like to have we like to play for any crowd that is interested in songs you know we just did a tour with Emmy Lou Harris and uh, it worked really great because I would guess that her fans are interested in songs so sometimes we don't see it uh, a lot of places we've learned about that but Wherever folks are interested in, in songs and in going for a ride and having experience, then I think we'd, it's a place we'd like to play. And so let me just take a wild guess. Is playing in a bar generally not one of the highlights of your touring? If it's in that bar, it can be great. There's just some great clubs that you know, operate as bars that have a sort of an ethic or a sensibility to them. I mean, we used to play a lot of bars, and we're not a bar band. I mean... We've done it before, you know, and people can dance, and that's that's a part. There's just a lot of groups that do that better than we do. So, yeah, any kind of listening room, that's mostly what we play in Minneapolis, the Cedar and the theaters, and uh, I know the Hyde Center seems like a good spot for that as well. Um, and there's a lot of those around the Midwest. The Stoughton Opera House down in Stoughton we're playing in April, and uh, we love to keep a lot of variety in our touring. Well, keep the variety going. Another song for your Song of the Soul? This next tune is also from the new record, Dark So Gold, and this song features a native Wisconsin local, a guy named Michael Rosetto, grew up in Milwaukee and played banjo with the Pines on records and sometimes live. Michael wrote this song called Grace Hill, and Benson helped him with the arrangement, and we put it on the record because uh, it was very beautiful, so, you know, there's no words, there's no lyrics. Sometimes that's just perfect, so this Grace Hill from Dark So Gold.
You're listening to the music of The Pines, their website, thepinesmusic.com. We've got with us one of their lead persons from the group, David Huckfeldt, and that song was Grace Hill, instrumental, obviously with considerable talent. When you get together on stage, what kind of instrument array are, do you have up there with you? I mean, there's you and Benson, but there's all the other members of your group, too. Yeah, and as far as members go, it's just our lineup changes a lot depending on where we're playing and who's available and what's feeling good. And so at, at the full capacity, I mean, there's really seven members of Pines. Michael Rosetto on banjo, and there's a Jacob Hansen electric guitar, bass and drums. James Buckley and J.T. Bates, and then Alex Ramsey, Benson's brother, plays keyboards. And Alex is with us all the time, full-time. So it's at least a trio, and as many as seven, and, and anything in between. It's fair game. Is Grace Hill a place? Uh, only in the mind, a friend. Only in the I, mind. Okay, that's yeah, what I was wondering. I <laughs> yeah. I've never been there, but I'd like to go if there was one, so maybe somebody can tell me about it. Down near Milwaukee, where I grew up, there's a place called Holy Hill. So it, maybe it's next to that, Grace Hill. Who knows? Yeah, it could be in the same park. Okay, well, time's closing in on us. We've got time for another one of your songs. How can we conclude your Song of the Soul? Well, this is a little backstory in Red House Records. as our record label, uh, St. Paul, and they do a compilation called Nada Bob, which is, uh, they've done two of them. In celebration of Bob Dylan's birthday, so they asked us to do a song for the second one, and we were, you know, we were reluctant to go in and record a Dylan song because, uh, well, for a number of reasons, but mainly we were looking for one that we felt like we could make ours, and we uh, recorded this live at the Cedar Cultural Center in Minneapolis. It's called What Good Am I? And the reason I chose it for a song of soul is that it's it's a song about personal responsibility. You know, it's a song about having a ruthless sense of self-reflection and uh, not about what you need but what you're giving. I think it's a powerful sentiment. And, yeah, one of my one of my favorite Dylan tunes. So this is What Good Am I, written by Bob Dylan on uh, the Nod to Bob Red House Records compilation.
Finishing off David Huckfeld's Song of the Soul. He's one of the leaders of The Pines and their website, thepinesmusic.com. That was What Good Am I? Obviously not by them, it's by Bob Dylan, but a wonderful rendition of it. Very much, as you said, David, one that you could make your own. Everything I heard in that song echoes the kind of connection, responsibility that you've been talking about throughout this interview. So, Wonderful choice there. Again, that song was on a collection that was put together by Red House Records. It's called A Nod to Bob Two, an artist's tribute to Bob Dylan on his 70th birthday. A live performance at Cedar Cultural Center, which is right over there in the Twin Cities, a place where you'll see a lot of great artists like The Pines. So, David, I really enjoyed the music, and I really enjoyed getting to know you. I hope to see you when you're in Chippewa Falls on the 22nd of February. That's Friday, 7.30 p.m. at the Heidi Center for the Arts. Thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Mark, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. Sing out a song